Hello and welcome to All Villa, No Villa, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. Villa have qualified for Europe. I repeat, Aston Villa have qualified for Europe. Unai Emery's side turned up once again when the pressure was on to win 2-1 against Brighton. What a team, what a moment, what a club. Today, George is away in the Netherlands scouting out potential competition next season in the Conference League. So today I'm joined by lifelong villain, lifelong friend of mine as well, and the season ticket holder, Richard Stevens. Rich, welcome back to All Villa, No Filler. Thanks very much, Fran. Yeah, very, oh, what an evening to be here, Villa in Europe. Unbelievable it's, scenes. It's just, yeah. what is going on in the world? What, what What's happening? I, I mean, it, so, so you were at the game today. Yeah. Um, firstly, something I want to know is, could you feel before the game that there was a, a buzz, there was an atmosphere, that <laughs> something's going on at Aston Villa right now? Yeah, definitely. I think um, just from, so we, I mean, without getting too sort of down a rabbit hole, but we we went half an hour before we normally would to try and get our usual parking space. And it was still almost full. You know, we were there, we, we parked two and a half hours before kickoff and everywhere was packed. We got behind the, uh, you know, they do that, that fan zone bit behind mm. the Trinity, the Trinity Road. That was absolutely rammed for two hours an hour and a half completely packed um with people and there was just a general excitement I I think naturally always with a little bit of nervousness about oh we could still this could all still not happen but I think people were positively and fairly confidently um hoping that that it would all work out and it did and I think the atmosphere at the beginning was absolutely brilliant and, and when we got those two goals you sort of felt um, it was one of those days and it, it was just really good. He did get a bit nervous, I think, in the second half, but mm. who cares in the end? It, when when the players needed to be carried at the end, I think that, that really came in. The last five or ten minutes in injury time was a brilliant atmosphere where people sort of realised, OK, let's just let's just get this done now. Um, yeah. but it was excellent. It was also quite funny with, with the Brighton fans. I mean, again, not particularly relevant, but... Um, because obviously they didn't really have anything to play for. And and there was a, that, I think that contributed to the atmosphere that there wasn't really any hostility between the fans. Mm. Brighton were perfectly happy that they'd already qualified and they were, you know, a big chunk of Brighton fans stayed behind to join in the Villa sort of celebrations mm. at the end of the game. So it was just a, a great atmosphere. It was um, very positive, very, you know, excited um and just you know just an incredible way to end the season i remember when we spoke when when unai came in and we were sort of saying oh if if we don't get relegated that'll be great and it, <laughs> yeah. that seems ludicrously naive now that that was <laughs> the, the limit of our aspirations but yeah. um, it was just amazing it's incredible because considering you know i've been saying since emery came in that if we can just even finish top half yeah i mean because you know when you looked at it you looked at Brentford, Fulham, um, uh, Tottenham, all these clubs yeah. that looked so far ahead of us. You were like, there's no way we're catching. Maybe, maybe we'll catch one if they fall out of four. Yeah. But for Villa to finish top half would be a great stepping stone and maybe we can push for Europe next season. So not just finish top half. Yeah. To, 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 to actually make Europe, to finish above Tottenham, you know, yeah. Brentford and Fulham. And to also just, I don't know, like, just look like a team that just knows what the hell it's doing now. It's just absolutely unbelievable. It, to, it, no, to it, see it really is remarkable. And you know, not not for a second trying to, to take anything away from from Brighton, but we only finished one point behind Brighton, and, yeah. and everyone was really been talking about how incredible Brighton are and how they've yeah. you know they can, what a breath of fresh air. And you know, we caught Brighton with really two thirds of a season. You know, a third of our season was sort of wasted at yeah. the, the Gerard era. So. It is incredible. And the, the number of points, it was funny that we had that, didn't we have that period where it felt like we were in 11th for eight weeks. <laughs> yeah. We were sort of winning every week, but yeah. we were always 11th. And I think yeah. we, we built, well, that was when we were closing the gap to those teams above us. Um, yeah. And I think that really helped us as well, because we haven't been hyped at all. Let's say in the last four weeks, suddenly in the classic media way, you know, people have noticed, oh, wow, Villa are, are really flying yeah. now. You know, of course they're, they don't cover every every club all the time, but 
I think that period where we were able to just chip away at what was a massive points difference, we were about, what was it, 15 points behind Tottenham, mm. 20 points even at, at some point. Um, and that was that was amazing. So I think we were helped. We, we, we also have to probably be a little bit realistic that, that Chelsea and Tottenham having pretty, pretty poor seasons helped us a lot. Had they had more of their standard, you know, points totals, I think it would have been quite challenging for us to catch them. But but they didn't. And, you know, mm. we took absolutely full advantage of that, which is which is just fantastic. I'm now looking forward to some truly random uh, yeah, conference league opponent. <laughs> Kazakhstan, who yeah, exactly. are you? Who are you? <laughs> Kazakhstan, here we come. Yeah, I just sort of forget that. Everyone sort of, because the last time, what was it, 13 years ago, whatever yeah. it was? Yep, rapid and, Vienna. You know, we were used to the likes of, of Ajax and HSV Hamburg and this sort of stuff. I think it's going to be a bit of a shock when we, we see who's in our group, but that's great. Yeah. The whole it's fun like, of it. And that's the thing, I think, because we've been, you know, we've been through the, the ringer as fans, I think, for the last 15 years. I think just the concept of playing in Europe and play, yeah. whoever it is, where they are, you know, yeah. it could be in Scandinavia yeah, or yeah. Eastern Europe or Spain, Italy, Albania or wherever. I think yeah. just the, the the feeling of it, a feeling like, right, this is a statement now, isn't it? That Aston Villa are a team that plays in Europe. Yeah. I think I think that's that, that's the key, really, because we've just, you know, we 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 totally lost away as a club. For, you know, yeah. since the, since the day Martin O'Neill walked out the door, it's been a long, long way back, really, to get back to where we are now. And you know, there's been so many people who played such a big part of that. Jack Grealish, Dean yeah. Smith, you know, the owners when they came in, Christian Perzo coming in with them, you know, uh, the, the players and, and now specifically Unai Emery. I mean, honestly, like with Unai Emery, what what do you make of this guy? Like, what have you made of it since he's come in? Yeah, completely remarkable, completely just, uh, I, I think one of the times we spoke, you asked me if, he was the best Villa manager we, we, you know, I've seen. And it was difficult to, to really make a, a true assessment. It probably still is to a sense. But he's certainly very close to that, if not Absolutely. already achieved it. Just the, the the way... I was We were talking about this coming home. He's he sort of... Just he's so energetic and he's yeah. so invested and involved that everyone just gets on board with that, whether that's yeah. the players, whether that's his coaching staff, whether that's... The crowd, he doesn't do any of the sort of cheesy manager stuff like clapping the fans. He doesn't do any of that. He he just he's just completely in the zone of the yeah. game. Yeah. But that energy is so infectious. I mean, you've I'm sure you've noticed as well, Fran, when you've been. He's just he's absolutely one hundred percent invested in in what's going on, and mm. and that has such an infectious effect on everyone. Yeah, it, bit... just but Villa. Sorry, the last thing I'll say. Then then you can absolutely comment is. Villa look truly well drilled. Absolutely. Everyone knows what's going on. Everyone has a plan. You don't get the sense of some player coming off the bench and you know not really sure how what their role is or what they're supposed to be doing. It's, mm. it's like the basic he expects is you know exactly what you're doing and he's got a plan for you and you do that. No negotiation. And yeah. it's just remarkable to watch that. And every single game, it feels like Emery yeah. has a plan. It feels like he's watched this opposition team. He's watched every single game they've played for the last... 10 weeks yeah, and multiple times is, is, is what his family are probably looking around thinking, where the hell is he? Yeah. Is, is he sat in the gaming room playing Legend of Zelda? He ain't playing Legend <laughs> of Zelda. He's watching bloody, uh, you know, uh, Brighton and figuring out ways to, to, to expose their weaknesses. Yeah. Liverpool last week, you know, Liverpool won seven in a row. We turned up and the way he structured it was that McGinn playing as the second striker was yeah. a masterstroke yeah. because Trent Alexander-Arnold coming into midfield and McGinn's there to play, to effectively play almost as a defender from the front. And Watkins yeah. doing the same with Fabinho. And so you just kind of feel like he's a, he's somebody who's works out ways to negate the opposition, but at the same time, make the most out of the players that he has. Um it's just remarkable to see, really. And you compare it to the Gerard era, where I just cannot imagine Steven Gerrard sitting around watching videos of you know Brighton yeah. all week. I just I just can't see it. I just think he turns up thinking he's Billy Big Bollocks, he's Alex Ferguson, and he's gonna, you know, he's gonna get his coaches to do all the work and he'll turn up and be like, you know, everybody, you need to look me in the eye, you need to get a result here tonight. It, 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 it's it's just it's not how it works, is it? It's yeah. it's it's it, 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 Emery is a coach who I just feel like he he works so hard, and you see that in the way the players play. And it's not just that he works so hard, but it's that he can translate 
what he wants. You know, he, yeah. he clearly has a, a like a high, you know, I call it like an EQ, emotional quotient, whatever, that, that he can sort of get all of these players believing, you know, like really wanting to perform because there's not a single player that I can think of really other than maybe one or two who haven't gone up at, at levels really since he joined, yeah. to be honest. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's what's also been really, um, really exciting is how he's been able to reinvigorate some players who were who were struggling. Yeah. Uh, you know, the three obvious candidates form the spine through our team now, which is Tyrone Mings, John McGinn in midfield, and then Ollie Watkins up front. And they are just yeah. transformed. Um, you know, John McGinn was brilliant again today. He was. Um and 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 Ollie Watkins too. Yeah, Ollie does have his, his quiet patches, but he's still scored fifteen goals in the Premier League. Yeah. That's that's you know it's a pretty decent return. He got got the crucial goal today as well. Exactly, and and Mings is you know consistently incredibly solid. So mm. that's what's so great that he's been able to to to, to just rebuild players. Rebuild is a bit strong, but you know what I mean. Take players who were low on confidence yeah. and. You, you did start to wonder, oh, was that, you know, a couple of seasons from John McGinn and has he been found out? Same with mm. Ollie Watkins. And no, they just they just needed a different approach. They needed someone to invest the time in them and, and work with them. And as you say, I, I, I imagine he's probably not a great bloke to chat to because all he wants to talk about probably is tactics. And, <laughs> and, uh, a night out in Weatherspoon and Solly sure, with Emery. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure his wife, you know, has very thick skin. <laughs> Just yeah. dealing with this endless discussions about Brighton's formation and stuff like that. So, yeah, but, but that's not our problem. We, we, yeah. we, you know, thank you very much, Mrs. Emery, because we get to benefit from from yeah. this obsession he has um, with, with 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 doing this. And yeah. what's what I mean, it's, I'm genuinely really looking. Sometimes at the end of the season, I think, um, okay, that's enough. Let's just forget about football for a bit. Watch some cricket. Do whatever. Go on holiday. Do whatever you like. Let's not yeah. immediately think of of the next season. But I'm this year. I I quite fancy it to start next week. Genuinely, Same. I think it would be really interesting to, to see what happens. Same. And there's I'm, a whole I'm... new set of challenges next year. Everyone will know what Emery's about if they don't already. We'll have to actually use our squad a bit more. That's the only thing that makes yeah. me a bit nervous. Is We've played very few games in comparison to all of the other teams above us. We, yeah. we in Villa style, skillfully got ourselves knocked out of the cup competitions very quickly. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we, we we absolutely didn't, you know, there was there was no way that we were going to have any European football this year to, to worry about. So we just had the league and we yeah. were able to use a relatively small number of players very frequently. And I yeah. think that would be... The only bit, and I trust them absolutely. This isn't me trying to be negative or nervous, but we won't be able to just use that core of 14 or 15 players yeah. playing yeah. away, as you said, in Albania on a Thursday night. And then suddenly you're you're away at Man City on a Sunday. Yeah. That's a bit more of a challenge. That's where you hope a couple of the youth players might step up, you know, make yeah. big investments. And they've had a couple of good loans this season. I think Aaron Ramsey, yeah. Cameron yeah. Archer, Tim O'Rogan. Hopefully a couple of them will come back next season and maybe can fit into those European yeah. ties away that you think Villa can probably get the job done with, yeah. you know, not maybe not the full first team, but um, yeah. you don't, but yeah, again, you don't want to overthink that because, you know, he paid the price when O'Neill sent out the scratch teams of Moscow, didn't he? Like, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like thinking of the Brighton game today, you know, I, I, something, something I thought was how, you know, with Aston Villa, like under Emery, one thing I've thought is how Villa just get the job done in high mm. pressure games. It's extraordinary. Like Villa are not the type of team for a long time that have done that. Yeah. You know, you know, we, Newcastle was the acid test, wasn't it? Nobody yeah. does well against Newcastle. We It could have been 6-0. We battled yeah. them. Tottenham had to win and yeah. we won. And you know, two one. It, it could have been three four. Yeah. Um, Liverpool away, seven wins in a row. Anfield, yeah. and they they're going for the Champions League. You're thinking, oh, we're probably not getting a result there. And they turn up and they get the result. Yeah. It's it's just extraordinary. And so and then Brighton today again, the pressure's on. Get that result. Um, I mean, what did what did you think of the game itself today? Yeah, I, I, we played well. I, I think. Yeah. Brighton are good. I think mm. they've been a little bit overhyped in the last few weeks. They've become a little bit of the, the sort of media focus. And I, I, this is not to bash them at all. It's mm. incredible what they've done and what they've achieved. Um, but I thought we it was we played 
Well, it wasn't like the Newcastle game where that was probably the best we played this season. Ever. I think. I've, 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 top, top yeah. That that was really high level. This is more today was very, very competent. Um mm. plenty of moments where you, you thought, well, you know, we look really dangerous. Mm. Um, and I think we we deserve to win. Brighton are good, but we 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 had our offside trap that we yep. stuck to. Um it is a little bit nerve-wracking when you're not really used to it, and but we're all getting used to it now. It is endlessly sort of tiring, the the, the offside rule with the way the play goes on, that mm. you just have to accept that. That's just, that's just you know, how the rules are now. Um, but it was, how would I describe it? It was sort of workmanlike is is not right. It wasn't sort of just routine either. No, it, wasn't, it was no. it was a mixture of things really. There were periods where the first 20 minutes we were great and you thought, oh this is fantastic. we yeah. you know this is this is this is going in the direction of the Newcastle game. And then there was you know a stretch where Brighton had a lot of ball and you thought, oh, you know, they could they could they could potentially score or or make this uncomfortable. But it didn't have that feeling of an absolute siege because yeah. Brighton really didn't need to win. That they absolutely tried to score. Don't get me wrong. That they didn't give us the game. They didn't give us the game. There was no hint of them, no, you know, no, just no. allowing us to win to keep Tottenham out of of Europe or anything like that. Mm. They genuinely were were being competitive, but just naturally, when you've got nothing to play for, I think they they eased off a bit. But yeah, yeah probably not the most incisive analysis of the game. But but I would say a job very well done. Um, yeah. Lots of players doing a lot of really good stuff. It's mm. a shame that Jacob Ramsey couldn't score that because that would have, you know, really rounded out his his performance. With, it was fantastic first yeah, it was half, brilliant. wasn't it? it was really good. He was brilliant. Um, he's another one, actually, on that list of players who, who've who been reinvigorated by yeah. Unai. Yeah. Jacob Ramsey was struggling a bit with, with Gerard this year. He looked a little bit one-dimensional, but not at all today. He looked... No. Really, really good. Couldn't um, handle him. They couldn't handle him first half. Yeah, no way. It's it's just yeah. So that I mean that was that was my view of it. There wasn't the feeling of oh my goodness, this is this could be turned around and we're going to concede an injury time in in we're going to concede an equaliser in injury time and you know the, the, all the air in the balloon will very quickly uh, you know dissipate. That it wasn't really like that at all. Um, it was just as you said earlier, those exact words. It was extremely well planned and and very well executed by the whole team really a whole squad of players who believe in in the coach and the manager and and what they're trying to to work on and and really just seem to love it and that's i think that's the other bit that mo you never know who who are we to know what players really think or but you get the impression at least that almost everyone in that squad is loving it and yeah, that really you helps. Do. Absolutely. And it's reflected in the results, isn't yeah. it? You know, in the performances. And, you know, personally, I thought as you know, I so obviously at the game today, I was in London, you know, watching it at the, yeah, the yeah. London Lions in uh Feed the Yak in Elephant and Castle. I also met uh Rory and Emmett, both from County Clare. They're both fans of the podcast. So good to meet you. I'll just give them a shout out. But uh I am um, I thought the I thought if, if you were a neutral, I thought the game today was really high quality football. I think if you if you appreciate teams that are really comfortable on the ball and really want to you know keep it on the deck and play properly, um, I thought it was a really good reflection of that. And I think first half, Jacob Ramsey was unplayable. Mm. And I think the, th the thing was like Villa had to start fast, like we did against Tottenham and like we did against Newcastle, and uh, that's exactly what we did. Mm. Eight goal in the eighth minute, Douglas Louise, player of the season, yeah, um, holding on to it, holding on to it, passes it to Ramsey, and Ramsey, the intelligence of him to just. Wait, wait, wait. Now, take pushes that ball back and there's Douglas Lewis to score. And then the second goal as well. Again, John McGinn as that second striker, it mm. might be the role for him. It might be because winning the ball off Alexis McAllister like he did. And I've I noticed this with Brighton. I've, I've watched a few of their games recently. And something I do notice about Brighton is if they do lose that ball, they can look a bit chaotic defensively. Mm. And there were one or two occasions today I thought that happened again. And that the second goal was that. It was like Villa won the ball and suddenly Brighton were all like sixes and sevens, you know. And a fantastic pass from Bailey into Ramsey. And then Ramsey touches it on and Ollie Watkins, you know, it's poetic really considering all the goals he's got. I yeah. think he put the, fight, the full stop on the season really. But, um, but then I think also that Brighton, I think it was the first time I think I've seen a team probably affect our high line 
quite well at Villa Park in a long time. I think we we were they could have probably got a couple themselves to be honest in the first half. And you know, the Undav's uh, first touch for the goal was fantastic off his head, heading it back and scoring. And I think probably you could question Mings about where he was, but his heart is. I don't want to say too much about me because Mings has been like a colossus yeah. this season. He's been yeah. fantastic. It was just a really good goal. But I think Evan Ferguson probably thinks he should score more. And then also um, Emmy Martinez, the save off Undav, that would have made it 2-2. Yeah. That leg stretching out, that left leg, it was exactly the same as what he did for Argentina in the World Cup final against yeah. Carlo Moane. It was when when the when it counted, he makes the big saves. Um, and then second half, something else I'd noticed as well. I think Villa could have made it three or four one in the second half. You know, mm. Ramsey missed that chance. Yeah. Ollie Watkins just missed that ball from Ramsey. Yeah. And Brighton didn't really have a chance. No. Which is, you know, considering the pressure's on for Villa and Brighton is, uh, were going for it. Brighton yeah. really turned up today. They weren't on the beach. And I just didn't think they created a chance. Yeah, my brother was saying, I think they had three shots or something in the second half. It, it, it wasn't a siege, like you said. No. They were They were better in the... I think the game in general was better in the first half if you were... You know, the, the, the cliched neutral watching that the first half was very entertaining the second half lost its way a bit but it was still an excellent game and I think you know pretty evenly matched teams uh, as it happens we actually won home and away against Brighton I know uh, yes yeah but as, as we did with Tottenham and I was looking at this earlier like that's that's very unvilla to to do mm. that sort of thing to to be we only ourselves we only got doubled um by one team that was arsenal we we didn't mm. everyone else we we at least took one point from um and the teams around us we were actually able to take a lot of points from and i think that's when we were talking about how we were able to close the gap well because that's you know when you're taking six points from the teams around you that's a big difference uh, but that's a, it's a bit of, bit of an aside um yeah, there's just really i think there's anything else to, to add it was just mm. it was a really good way to wrap up the season the atmosphere yeah. at the end was brilliant you can just see how how really everyone is so excited by by everything the ground stayed full for the you know that for the players to come back out with their families and everything barely anyone left um the ground absolutely buzzing for half an hour after after the game. Really, half an hour was it? Yeah, like, it was completely yeah. well, completely Brilliant. full. You know what I mean? Ninety percent of the people stayed in the ground to watch wow. the players come out. Amazing reception. Um, yeah, just it just brilliant. It, it will now be interesting to see what happens. I think we've spoken privately that it feels like maybe there's some things going to change in the the, the the behind the scenes a little bit. Mm. Uh, what that means, I don't know. Whether it was telling or not. So at the end of the game, the owners came onto the pitch and did, oh, did a sort of right. half lap. Um, but Christian Perzo didn't. I don't know whether this, you know, the, the newly appointed... Um, Chris Heck, I never it? remember his name, the guy they've got from the US. Uh, Chris, Chris Heck? Heck, that's it, yeah. Heck. Whether that means anything for Perzo, who, who knows? But mm. there's no point in trying to read too much into these things. Perzo might just not have fancied walking around on the pitch. You, you don't know. Uh, yeah. But I think it will be interesting to see how that develops. And it'll be super interesting to see what sort of signings we make over the summer. Um, and what we do with some of these young players, you alluded to that as well. You know, we've we've sent players out. They've done really well on loan and be really, really interested to see what we do with them. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Welcome back, everybody. Now it's time for this. Rich and I, we've known each other for more than 20 years, but we may never speak again after this, the spicy question. And today, Rich, I ask you, how far can Villa go under Professor Unai Emery? Wow, that is, yeah, that is a a zinger. It's it's a humdinger. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's. Now, looking back on how I answered one of, it wasn't a spicy question, but we had a discussion. I was extremely conservative when I said if we come in the top half of the table, that would be a, an incredible achievement. And we came <laughs> that, seventh. That's how I um, felt as well. I was top half, like brilliant. Wow, yeah, great. Yeah, and then blew that out of water. Contract. So yeah. now, why don't I be ludicrously optimistic and say, let's aim for the Champions League? You know, that would be an, a sensational thing to do. Yeah. The, the realist in me says, if we can get into the Europa League, Yes. would be an incredible if we could come fifth or sixth 
um, would be amazing. The absolute realist in me says, if we could repeat what we did this year and come seventh, that would be pretty pretty good too. Because let's face it, I think Tottenham and Chelsea will probably spend a lot of money and come back um, with a vengeance next year. Newcastle will, you know, whether you like it or not, that they, you know, how they've got their their their, their team. You can't really argue with what Eddie Howe's done this year and there's no reason why they're going to fade away and, and everyone else up there is going to be consistently strong. So yeah. I think repeating seventh place next year would be excellent. Um, anything above it would be incredible. Champions League, of course, you know, fantasy land stuff. Um, yeah. But I think he, what I will say to, 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 to sort of counter my own um, conservatism is that he's Unai's already shown us that he can achieve in, in, incredible things and he can easily yeah. exceed expectations and, and maybe it's up to us as Villa fans to slightly recalibrate how we how we see things and maybe start being a bit more optimistic yes instead of always you know always being cautious and always thinking well you know this will probably fall apart yeah with Unai's record it, he hasn't fallen apart really it, you know so why not be optimistic and, and and let's let's get one two even three places better next season um so yeah that's how how far I see us going winning the league <laughs> I'm not going to be so silly to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, not with Man City around Pep Guardiola until he retires. Then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, no, I hope around this time next year, I'm joining this sort of extremely drunk from <laughs> some sort of Villa Champions Parade. Birmingham, <laughs> but I'd be very, very surprised. I, I'm already booking my spot in Birmingham. I know exactly where I'm going to sit. Yeah, uh, somewhere near Broad Street. Quick, quick turn into uh, the works or Lisa, <laughs> somewhere like that. <laughs> um, look, I, I think, I think with it's obviously it's it's obviously different now the way for, you know the way the Premier League is because it's it's there's, there's there's a lot of clubs with a lot of money and yeah. But I I just keep thinking about it and thinking you know when we grew up, Tottenham were at the same level as Villa, right? Yeah, or below us for long periods as well. And, you know, there was a period around 20, 2009, 2010, even before that, where people used to laugh at Tottenham. Like yeah. Tottenham were a club that people did not take seriously. There's no way they're going to make the top four. There's no way they're going to be ever a team that really does anything. And for the last 10 years, you know, you know, for all the criticism they get, you know, for not winning something, at the same time, they've consistently been in the top four. Mm. Consistent, they, they, they almost won the league a couple of years ago. They got to a Champions League final. They're always in the champ or have regularly been in the Champions League in recent years. And then I compare it also to another team like Atletico Madrid. Again, another team that people mm. laughed at who were kind of like a bit of a like Tottenham Villa Everton sort of level. And then a great manager came in, an inspirational manager came in, and he lifted them to a level yeah. that was like two Champions League finals, two La Liga wins, uh, I think two or three Europa League, Europa League wins. And, you know, I'm not saying that Villa are going to go and do that, but what I am yeah. saying is that Villa can look at that and think, surely that is something that we can use as inspiration. And, yeah. think, you know, and you look at Unai Emery, semi-final with VRL. Yeah. Three Europa League wins with uh, uh, Sevilla, one with VRL as well. Yeah. Why can't we go and do something really special under Unai Emery? Why can't yeah. we, like, you know, dare to believe that we might do something? And and all the foundations this season are there. You, you know, we've got a good squad. We've got the money, the, the owners, you'd, you'd think. And and the way that Emery has, you know, coached this team game to game this season just gives me a level of belief that I'm sort of mm. like, I don't, like, even going into Brighton today, I was like, it's part of me that thinks as a Villa fan, I should not be confident. Yeah. But there was also a part of me that was like, this team keeps turning up when the pressure's on. Yeah. And they keep just dealing with tough situations. And they did it again today. So I'm, I I, I just think with Villa, I think, you know, I, I feel like the media has always overlooked, well, yeah. Certainly recently has yeah. overlooked Villa. We, we don't, I don't think quite, get, uh, even this season, I don't think we still, I still don't think we get the credit that we deserve yeah. or Emery and the, the players do. I think that's what they have to use fuel and energy to be like, we're the underdogs and, you know, we turn up to Man City next season and we don't just sit around and go, oh, aren't they beautiful at football? Oh, we're yeah. we going to lose. Turn up and just be arseholes. You know, mm. just just be, you know, play really well, but also don't be afraid to just be like a, that team that people hate playing against. It's And that's yeah. I think that it's that range of approach that Villa have shown under Emery that really gives me confidence to believe that 
you know, it's going to be tough playing Thursdays next season and the weekends. That's going to be a different experience. And there probably will be a few bad weekends after it. But there's still enough I've seen so far that makes me think we can do something under Emery. Yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely agree. And and we should we should also shouldn't um be sort of afraid of of the impact of um of now having to play on a Thursday and a Sunday and all that sort of stuff. That's the whole point. It's exciting. Exactly. You know, that's what we it is sometimes easy to start thinking, oh, you know, is that gonna hurt our league form? No, let's let's not worry about that. Yeah. Let's just let's just take it as a we should also be aiming to win the 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 Europa Conference League. I'm not I saying absolutely we're nailed on favour. It's not that's not my point. I'm not saying I'm not deluded enough to be and delusional enough to sort of be in our first European competition for, for 13 years and then say, well, well, we're nailed on to win this. And that's not my point. But we should be aiming to win it. And if we yes. lose to a good team, that's fine. But we shouldn't just be doing it as, oh great, we've got into Europe. Let's see what it's like again. It's okay, now we're here, let's win it. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that's what he'll do. I mean, he doesn't need any. <laughs> there's no way that he will he will be going in there just to make up the numbers. Um, and I think it's the the same with, as you said, next year. There's no reason why we should be nervous of any of any opponents. I don't think um, so. I think we've no. clearly shown that 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 the heaviest defeat we we took was a classic Villa, a team that went down. You know, Leicester battered us. <laughs> <and> everyone else, <laughs> we've looked really good. Uh, <laughs> But but that I think that underlines the point, you know. We yeah. we 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 we've looked good really every game, um, even against some of our most you know most miserable opponents. Um, historically, we've we've done very well against. I'm also really glad Everton stayed up, not yeah. just because I quite like Everton, but we've got a brilliant record against them as well. <laughs> yeah. Quite helpful. Whereas Leeds, you know, I'm more than happy for to yeah. see the back of them. We just could never beat them. Well, it felt like I know we could, but yeah. And if you were to look at Villa's squad, you know, you've, you know, you've seen them first time for a long time. Yeah, we're looking ahead to this summer already now, I guess. Um, Where do you think Villa, you know, I have have my own ideas about where Villa needs to improve, but where do you think Villa sort of need to improve if they are to reach that next level next season? Yeah, this is where I, I, the the two things I, I, I struggle I don't. I'm not. A, don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of you know all the available players, so I yeah, can't yeah. comment and say this is who we should be looking to buy. I think the the obvious thing from having watched this, and I, I think I don't want to repeat myself completely, is that we've benefited this year from playing a relatively um, small number of games by comparison to to teams around us, mm. and therefore we've been able to use a small squad. If you think about it. Someone like Ollie Watkins plays every single game. We don't have really an alternative option up front if yeah. it's just Ollie Watkins. And I think that's the sort of thing we'll need to address. We'll need to be able to have a little bit like you said, we need to have capable uh, squad players who we can bring in potentially for a, a Thursday night game or for the Carling Cup or whatever it is where we're still competitive. I think that's where we've. Yeah. We we struggled a bit in the past. Is of course we have squad players. You know, naturally we've got a, a squad full of players. But you'd immediately think, well, you know, we could lose this. And look what happened, like the FA Cup with Stevenage and the league. All these things. As soon as we slight, slight, just slightly change the team, you're a little bit nervous that the results will go in a negative direction. And I think that's what we we need to do. And I think in order to achieve that, we'll probably need some more options up front because if Ollie did get injured, uh, you know, fingers crossed he doesn't, we we wouldn't really have very much to, to call on. We've got Don Duran who he could be anything. He could be yeah, a superstar yeah, yeah, yeah. or he could, you know, we could be selling him at Christmas uh, to, you know, to goodness knows where. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what he'll look to do. Um, whether that means he gives Cameron Archer a go, but I think he'll probably also maybe look to get, an alternative for Bailey, if I had to guess. And this isn't yes. to get at Bailey. I think he probably likes what Bailey can offer, but maybe a little bit too inconsistent. And he might want that sort of threat to be more consistently available to him rather than the fits and starts that he gets from Bailey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think potentially he might look at um, an additional right back sort of cover, but Ashley Young can probably do what he wants him to do if, I, I'd be interested to know if you, you put Unai on the spot and said, who does he prefer between Cash and, and Ashley Young? I think actually he, he sees them as having different roles. I think he rates Ashley Young's defensive play more than he does Matty Cash's. Just my gut feeling, no idea where that comes from. He just, he just, 
it feels like Cash has his star has has slightly sort of faded compared to where it was a year ago or two years ago. I'm not for a second saying he's a bad player. I'm just mm. I think Unai has a different view maybe on Cash than than Dean Smith and, and the Gerard sort of regimes did. Uh, but that's not really answering the question. So I think up front we'd need some more options. I don't think we need any more centre backs. You know that 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 choice of of having Konza, um, Mings, and then you know an extremely competent looking centre back not even playing for us this year because of, of an unfortunate injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that that's not an area where we need strengthening. I think we need a, a better backup goalkeeper. To be honest, if we are oh, going to yeah. be you. playing in these competitions. Yeah. Um, again, I don't like to criticise, but Olsen doesn't seem particularly at the level we need. He seems to no. breed nervousness yes. in the team, which doesn't really help. So I think that's an area we'll probably have to look at. Um, but it's such a luxury that we're not talking about a structural overhaul. It's not like, say, the season when we got promoted and we just stayed up after the famous yeah. West Ham game and you knew that we'd have to go and spend millions to, yeah. to try and avoid that happening again. It, it's not like that. Now I think it's just adding in um, and and improving in certain positions and not doing an overhaul of the team. What, I mean, what do you think? That was me rambling well, yeah, on. No, I, t- I totally agree with The reason why I think it, I'm rambling is because it's not really that obvious what we, we really... There's not like a glaring, this is a huge problem. It's more, oh, yeah, yeah. we need volume, I think, as yes. opposed to, uh, you know, plugging crisis issues. Yes. Well, I mean, what do you think? I oh, no, I totally agree. I, I agree with all of that. I th- and I think exactly that. I think that uh, it's not that we necessarily need to upgrade, but it's more that we need to kind of just have. I I feel like I I think the two for me are Buendia and Bailey. Yeah. In that second striker and that kind of right wing, and I just think they're two players who need competition. Mm. And I think that Buendia particularly needs competition because I think that Buendia can actually be incredibly effective as an impact sub as well as well as a starter. Um, I just think that if, if there was a second, you know, although to be fair, maybe McGinn that starts to become his natural position going forward, considering he's played the last two games there. But um, I would love, you know, I just think in my art in my head in like dreamland, mm. it, I imagine James Madison playing where Emmy Buendia plays, yeah. and I think Madison would just under Unai Emery at Villa in mm. that role would come alive. I, I, I really think he would, and he'd. You know, if you were to have like him and Buendia as those two options, yeah, you know, and uh, you know, Buendia could play out right or, or yeah. Madison could or whatever. But I think Madison, it looks like Madison's going to Newcastle. But you know, all I'm saying is, if you're listening, Mister Sawiris and Mister Edens, <laughs> Mister Bursley, you know, I'm just I'm just putting putting my my. Uh, Belief out there that Madison would be good for Villa, um, but also, uh, yeah, right wing. I think um, Bailey uh, just just not quite consistent enough. You do want a bit more consistency, consistency out there. But uh, you know, look, I think I think what will happen with Villa is I can very much imagine we're linked with all these big names, Asensio, Cabellos, and all these players. Yeah. And what will happen is in two weeks' time we'll sign someone we've never heard of exactly for forty million quid and. Alex Moreno came yeah. in, in in January. He's been one of the players of the season. He's come yeah. he's come alive. Um, forty million quid from Real Betis. And to be fair, I think there's probably a lot. Most fans in who don't follow La, La Liga probably weren't aware of him. I, 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 would, that, I would count myself in that number. I had no idea who he was. Yeah, and that's the thing. And and you 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 look at Unai Emery and you think Emery was able to knew this player and was able to think. I reckon he can do exactly what I need, mm. and he did it. It, it's yeah. just it, and so it gives me full belief that whoever Villa do sign, and it, you know if it's an Emery signing, uh, that I'm totally invested in believing yeah. that Emery must think there's something there that he can coach. Um, I have seen Harvey Barnes linked. Mm. Uh, I do like Harvey, but I, I I really rate Harvey Barnes. You know he's got I think got 13 goals this season. I think he was the third top assist maker last season for Leicester, 10, 10 in the league. Um, so clearly a really talented player, but the the, the and I and I think if 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 this is an Emery signing and he thinks right he can come in and he can play second strike or he can play you know on the wing then great great but the only the only thing I do think is I slightly get the Danny Ings vibe of like mm. he, he they're playing a four two three one Leicester and he plays on the left of a three so I do kind of think in my head all right well where, how how where does he fit in then mm. for Villa on the on the left or does does Emery just think well he's right footed. 
I know he likes to play on the left and cut inside, but does he play as a yeah. second striker on the right wing? So, uh, whereas, and, and the, the reason I say with Ings vibes is that I just kind of remember Ings coming in and feeling a bit like, what does that, what does that mm. mean for Watkins? What does that, and he, he wasn't, it, yeah, it was like a jigsaw where I was like, okay, I think they need to rearrange it, but I don't quite know how. Yeah. Um, whereas I think someone like Madison comes in and I think jigsaw piece, it, it, it just fits. Um, that that that's my that's my opinion on it. Um, yeah. You know, no, but, I, mean, uh, I think entirely valid and, and interesting. I guess I, I'd probably flip it the other way a bit. Is we probably also have to brace ourselves for some attempts to sign some of our players. Yes, and I think you know that's maybe a question I ask you is, do you see any risks and are there any players that you think you would actually accept a bid for? I, let's let's cut away some of the, the squad players that make it a bit more interesting, but. You know, are there any big names, as it were, in the team who you would be tempted to accept if we got a you know really generous mm. offer? I think if there was a big offer for Bailey, mm-hmm. not that I think there will be, but if there was, I yeah. think the temptation would be to take it. If somebody like Forrest offered twenty eight million for Buendia, again, I'm not saying I'd I'd like to see Buendia go, but I I could see a scenario mm-hmm. in which Villa maybe think they might change it up. Yeah. Um, but I think if you were to say which teams do come in, or or, or which which players get targeted, I'd I'd probably be thinking, you know, I think a lot of our players could play for the absolute top level wherever. Mm-hmm. But I I think the two that you'd think might be targeted would be Douglas Luiz and Emmy Martinez. Mm-hmm. Douglas Luiz, I think, will hold on to is my general belief. Emmy Martinez, I. I think we'll hold on to him. He seems he does seem to love it a villain. I really yeah. hope we do because I, I love the man. Um, but I, I could see a situation in which, you know, let's say Manchester United bid out of nowhere sixty million, yeah, seventy million. I, I suddenly that asks quite a few questions, doesn't it? And I'd be interested to know how the Villa board would react to that. But yeah, ultimately replacing a goalkeeper is so hard and yeah. For years, Villa didn't have a keeper pr- pretty much since Brad Friedel, really. Yeah. You know, and um, I'd be very loath to lose Emmy Martinez, I think. But again, it's it, it's just, you know, I mean, it, that save you made today from yeah. um, Undav in the first half, that, it was just sensational. He, he's yeah. a brilliant keeper. So uh, I could see there being interest in a few of our players, but I'm, I'm sort of in a situation, in, in a feeling in my head where in the past, you know, with Grealish or Dwight York back in the yeah. day or James Milner, Gareth Barry, where I was like, if a, if a top four club comes in, I'm worried we're going to lose them. Yeah. Right now, I kind of feel like with our owners, I'm not sure we will. I think yeah. they'll want to say to Emery, we'll give you exactly what you need. Yeah. And we're not going to sell it like any of our best players because you want to go for, you know, if you want to make the top, you can't do it without if we keep selling our best. So, yeah. I'm kind of, um, yeah, kind of hopeful that we'll uh, hold on. But do you, how about you? Do you think there's anyone you you fear we might, or anyone you'd be? I think no. I, exactly what you said about Martinez. I, I don't think he wants to leave. I don't think um, he's sort of agitating in any way. It's just as you said. If one of the the ultra rich teams, uh, and I don't necessarily mean that in a negative. I'm not saying every rich club is is some sort of you know nation state funded just any of yeah. the, the really big teams comes in and, and and offers a crazy amount of money i think they will just they just take that as as a you know on a case-by-case basis they would just say okay you know let's look at this rationally if we're talking about 75 million pounds and what that means for what we can achieve in terms of other signings and yeah you know fi- financial fair play and all that other stuff but i think it would have to be at that level it would have to be a remarkably overbid you know like yes. an overbid it wouldn't just be someone coming in at market value and us saying i'll oh, go on then we're you know let's see if we can find another goalkeeper I, I don't see that happening yeah um i think it will be you know there are obvious players um who who, who may be tempted to move on if you think of luca Dina, i think maybe he yeah. it, it feels yeah. like nothing against him i like him i think he's done a good job it, it's just clear that 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 um, Unai Emery doesn't really fancy him in the role that he wants his left back yeah. to play. Like today, he played well. He played fine. Yeah. He actually's a bit huge, of a threat from set pieces. Huge wages as well. It, that's the thing when yeah. when you you know one of the highest play paid play, play 
can't speak when he's one of the highest paid players in the squad and he's really a reserve left back. Yeah. So the mass of that doesn't work, um, particularly when you have to now think of the, the pressures of, of, of financial fair play. So maybe something like that. I think luckily it feels like it, when we had Jack, it was different. He was so clearly ludicrously better than the whole the rest <laughs> of the squad. Yeah. That it was that was inevitably going to happen. Um, mm. You know, we all hoped that he would say no, but hey, that's water under the bridge. Our squad now, we don't, we're not reliant on one supreme player to make right. the difference for us every week. We have a lot of really good players, but a lot of them I don't think are going to, can I imagine um, Barcelona signing John McGinn? No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's no disrespect for John McGinn. Yeah. But he, but- he, Give it a like, few weeks, he's, he's lining up at the new camp. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> probably, this will probably come back spectacularly to haunt me now, as you say. Ravadry wants some new Galacticos. John McGinn <laughs> first on the list. He's juggling, you know, on the pitch at the new camp. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Whatever they make them do at Barcelona, that nerve-wracking experience of suddenly juggling a football in front of 100,000 people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, joking aside, I, I don't see that we don't have that one player who I think is going to be poached by for £150 million. So yeah. I'm quite comfortable that we'll be able to to keep the core of the, the, the squad that we have. Um, Douglas Louise, I think, could be stolen by by someone. He has been so good. He's been excellent. But I don't get the sense that he wants to leave. I think yep. it, would be, it would come back to a little bit like we said about Martinez. If it was a sort of overpriced bid that actually he then sat down and thought well I quite fancy playing at X then maybe we'd take it but yeah who knows I think Coutinho they'll try and move on but th- yes. for me he's yeah, he's yeah, in yeah. the squad players yeah sort of list as it were um it'd be interesting to see what we do with some of the players who've been on loan that will be like marvellous Nakamba mm. um whether we'll offer him to Luton if Luton yeah if Luton come in with a bid yeah, yeah. Why not? You know, I, I, why why keep hold of him? He's not going to play. I don't think he's not going to force his way ahead of of Louise and 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 mm. and Camera. So let's let's cash in. But it's just super exciting. It, it's I'll need a bit of time to think about it all and what we could do. But there's just it's just so nice to 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 be thinking. Okay, how can we get better on? How can we get even better? Yeah. From this, like, and not thinking. Okay, how next year do we not have to? have a relegation scramble or how can we get top <laughs> yeah. okay how can we get better than coming seventh and that's just yeah. it just feels great um and it was just it's just been a lot of fun the last you sort of remember this is what being a football fan is actually like <laughs> yeah. um, it's been a long time on it yeah. yeah and it's like and, and that's the thing like you know I'll, I'll give you you know before we round up your final thoughts kind of on just how this season has gone and yeah. you know how you feel today really Feel today super. Feel super. Actually, that's the the right way to to say it. You know, I think really proud of of the the squad and the team and Unai and the whole club really, and and, and that we've been able to do this. Um, a, a strange season in the sense that that up until November it was pretty miserable. If you remember, were those what was it when we lost at Fulham and you thought, oh God, this is going to be. Yeah. This is going to be horrible. Is this going to be one of those relegation years? And before you know it, we're sat here in May and it's it feels like that wasn't even this season. So I've almost <laughs> forgotten that the Gerard reign, I don't have anything personal against Gerard. It just didn't work. The club made a fantastic decision with who they got in and the timing. And since then, it's just been it's just been great. And I've I've re- what I've loved as well is that how everyone involved I'm sort of fan world. There's no one moaning or, or negative. There's no there's no sniping. There's no one suggesting that Unai is making this. It's just everyone's like, this guy's brilliant. Yeah. Let's just get on board and let's just trust whatever he says. And that's been such a breath of fresh air. Um, but I think, yeah, just a, uh, an excellent 2023. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Um, even when we lost, we did, we played well. We were yeah. trying to do the right things. And I'm just really looking forward to to what comes comes next year. What about you, mate? What do you think? Yeah, totally the same. I think it's been a it's certainly it's gone from a 
disaster to an absolutely <laughs> memorable, incredible season under a manager who I, you know, I think of all the time I've ever supported Villa right from the first day as I did from under, you know, big Ron Atkinson, uh, all the managers we've had since. And, you know, there's been some really good times, some really high times. Managers have won trophies and all that, but um, I just don't think I've seen anything like what I'm seeing under Unai Emery. I don't think I've ever seen Villa play in a way that is like this, you know, just so confident on the ball in every part of the pitch mm. and the kind of football that 10 years ago we were lauding Barcelona for, yeah. you know, we were all celebrating how brilliant they were and there weren't many other teams in the world doing that. A lot of teams tried to do that today. And I think you saw that with Brighton and Villa today. I think that both of them tried their best to just play football. And mm. um, that's what Villa have become under Unai Emery. And not just, you know, a good footballing team, but a resilient team as well. A team that just has an attitude where they're like, which, there's, there's some kind of camaraderie there. There's something that I just feel like if you were there behind the scenes, you'd, you'd feel there was something special mm. and there was a... You'd you'd go into work every day feeling like you're happy to be there, yeah, um, and you'd have full belief in whatever it is you know Emery told you to do, yeah. Um, and even you know this you know a lot of these players are a bit old you know you know Mings is what 27, 28, and mm. you know a very experienced player, but even this at this stage in his career, he's able to just take on such so much advice from Unai Emery, you know, to play a high line or to you know just improve his positioning or cut out the mistakes that he's, you know, made in previous years. And he just looks like a player who's gone up a level and every mm. single one of them does. And yeah. again, as well, you know, 27, 28. And again, him, you know, the versatility he's shown mm. and to be playing in roles that suit him and he's coming alive. Like all of them, all of them are yeah. just coming alive. And um, it's amazing to see. And it's uh, an amazing time to be an Aston Villa fan, to be quite frank. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. I've been your host, Frankie Maguire. Rich, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Fran. Really enjoyed it. Great to have, have such a, a, a wave of positivity that we're able to ride on this evening. So uh, thanks very much for having me. Really appreciate it. No worries. Uh, I really appreciate, by the way, Fran, the words that you said about my dad. He would have appreciated that and he would have loved today. So I know vast majority of people listening have no idea who he is, but thank you. Um, and he would have loved today, no question. He is a fantastic guy and it was a great, great to know him and uh, meant every word. And uh, um, yeah, I know absolutely he'd have loved to know that Villa were making it into Europe. Um, so yeah, who knows where we can go next season. Um, uh, but yeah, goodbye from me as well. We'll be back again soon for our end of season review. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. <laughs>